That song, I'll Fly Away, brings back memories. In 1961, I was sitting with about 3,000 men in the Kaimishi Mountains, singing in a great big building that had galvanized roof, and we were all singing at the top of our voices, I'll Fly Away. Next to me was a man whose last name was Inhofe, who was about 83 years old. And I looked at him and I thought, Brother, it's a joy to hear you sing, because for you it won't be very long. I'm 83 years old. <laughs> when I was a boy growing up in the 1930s, 1940s, air conditioning was rare. But there was one place you could go and spend an entire afternoon in air-conditioned comfort, and that was a picture show. <laughs> now, you could go and you would pay your admission, which was 10 cents or a quarter, depending upon what time of day. It cost less in the afternoon than evening. And once you got in, you could just stay because it was air-conditioned. And so you'd watch the same show over and over and over again. <laughs> And this morning, as I speak, you may think you're sitting in a movie theater watching the same show over and over again. Because as you think back, four weeks ago, we brought a word from Psalm 1. Then David spoke from the psalm about our hope and what do you hope and how we build to have the hope. Gordon uh, brought a word on the importance of trusting and obeying God and Last Sunday, Bill brought a word, fire in my bones. One important part of that was that we speak like everything, but folks won't listen, but we mustn't quit. And you know the word that the Lord has given me to bring today, and obediently I have to bring it, has all of those themes in it. And so we're going to bring what I think God would have us bring today, even though it's like sitting in a movie theater and seeing the same show over and over again. Hear the word of the Lord. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the eyes of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of your produce, so that you might have your barns filled with plenty and your vats overflowing with new wine. Oh, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. This morning it's important as we begin to understand the nature of Proverbs. What is a proverb? Well, a proverb is a general truth that stated in very succinct or pithy language so it can easily be remembered and repeated. For example, I could say to you, if you have a shirt and the, the seam is starting to become unraveled, if you will go get needle and thread and quickly repair that seam, then you won't have to repair others. If you don't, sooner or later it will all become unraveled. I could say that or I could say, a stitch in time saves nine. <laughs> a pithy statement with that truth. Now, of course, that's a general truth, not absolute, because you may do that stitch, but all the rest of it might be stitched with rotten thread, and it's, or perhaps it's this part of your body, and as you get more rotund, you know, it comes apart anyway. But that's a general truth. Now, there are some things in the world that are absolute because of the nature of what they deal with. For instance, if you ask Jerry Don, or you ask Jimmy Garrett, or Gregory Garrett, or Mark Garrett, or Jim Garrett, we can tell you this. If you're trying to replace the brake pads on the rear disc brakes of an automobile, in which the handbrake is not operated by a cable, but hydraulically operated through the caliper on the rear brake, and you try to compress that piston with a C-clamp, it won't work. We know because we tried it. Matter of fact, I had one friend say, rather my son John said, he had a friend who had tried it and broken a C-clamp. How do you break a C-clamp? But this we know. For about 10 bucks, go to a car parts store and buy a little cube, about an inch cube that has prongs sticking out of it, and you find how that fits the indentations on that piston, and you put a ratchet on it, and it screws in. That is absolute knowledge. It works as slick as silk every time you do it. But when we're dealing with people, when we're dealing with life, there are not such absolutes, are there? And Proverbs are statements of general truth. Truths that perhaps we might say all things being equal will turn out that way. But our responsibility is to obey. It is God's responsibility to bring about the results. One proverb that's given a lot of people problems is, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that he will go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a general truth, but it doesn't always work that way. For instance, if you, and I, I list the Roman Catholic radio station quite often, and I've heard this stated two ways. If you give me a child, until that child is five years old, that child will be a Roman Catholic the rest of his life. Or as I heard one man say it, give me a boy till he's seven and I'll show you the man. But we have two people on the front row who show <laughs> that that principle didn't work. Dave Troutman reared a Catholic, sprinkled as a child, but at a certain point, reading in Acts 2, he read that repent and be baptized everyone in the name of Jesus Christ. You received the Holy Spirit. He wanted the Holy Spirit, so he was immersed in Lake Keystone, much to the anger of his Roman Catholic family. He is now a New Testament Christian, not a Roman Catholic, although reared far beyond the age of seven. 
Bill Sullivan. Bill showed some of us a picture of the one of the houses he lived in as a boy, and he said in the attic he was so devoted, so wanting to be a priest that he used to play offering the Mass. <laughs> Yet here's a man who no longer is Roman Catholic. Yes, reared strictly, carefully, devout families. Train up a child in the way he is old, uh, young, and when he is old he will not depart from it. We know people in this church, families in this church, whose parents, no parent is perfect, but have done as excellent a job as any set of parents could do. And yet today, their children have walked away from the Lord. But you see, that's because it's a proverb. Proverbs are general statements of truth that it is wise to follow, but it doesn't work like an Aristotelian formula. A plus B doesn't always get C. But we're fools if we do not at least follow the proverb. So Proverbs chapter 3, what does it have to say to us? My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart, that's a key, let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will be will be added to you the exhortation is listen <laughs> and that's what bill presented so clearly last week illustrating it with throwing a camera in a bunch of water when the manual says don't throw camera in a bunch of water <laughs> listen Listen, is there anybody here over the age of 30 who cannot honestly say that at some point around 16, 17, 18, 19, you thought you knew more than your parents? <laughs> isn't that universal, isn't it? <laughs> Of course, sad to say, some of us did. <laughs> Listen, pay attention. Why can Jerry Dunn and Jimmy Garrett and Greg Garrett, and Mark Garrett, Jim Garrett advise you? We've walked, we know about fixing <laughs> calipers <laughs> on the rear brakes of those cars where the handbrake operates hydraulically through the rear caliper. We walk the path. And I would say, first of all, to young people, the thing, same thing we said when we spoke on Psalm 1, listen to those who are a few miles ahead of you down the road. They've been there. They've made mistakes. They bear scars. I heard Tom Moan say several years ago, I would rather follow a man into battle who has armor with all kinds of dents than a man who walks into the battle with beautiful armor. I would advise you 
to observe those individuals who have walked the path longer than you have and are further down the path than you are, and you look at them and you say, I would like to be that person who, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And seek whatever wisdom that person might have for you. You know, it's surprising to me also how wisdom doesn't just have to come from age. Uh, Dave and Bill and I sit with young men every other Sunday afternoon after the morning service for an hour and a half, and we just talk about whatever's going on in their lives. Honestly, there are times I receive words of wisdom from these guys, some that aren't quite dry behind the ears. We need to listen to the counsel of those who are about us as we share life together. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life. They will add to you. And then what's the first one? First advice, first commandment, first teaching. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Kindness. Have you ever noticed that as you read the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, how many of those are in the spectrum of kindness, love, joy, long-suffering and so on. Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 3, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, And if any has fault against anyone, forgive as Christ forgave you, so do ye. Gentleness, kindness, patience. Every time I think about kindness, I I think of Romans 5, which talks about the great love of God. For God commends his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But it begins this way. For righteous man, none would dare to die. And I think of the parable Jesus told us of the righteous Pharisee who sat in the temple praying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you I'm not like this publican. I pray so many times, on and on, you see, I'm not like this publican, self-righteous. You're not going to find anybody who would die for a hard-hearted rascal like that, would you? Then Paul wrote, but for a good man, perchance some might die. A good man, a kind man, a man who has given, a man who, like the one Cheryl spoke today, who's kind and good to those about us who don't always look so good and don't always smell so good. <laughs> Kindness. Let me tell you about a kind man, a good man. Many of us in this congregation know Tom Zorowski. Tom Zorowski is one of the purest human beings I've ever known and also one of the kindest. 
you stay in his home with Tom and Ellie and Megan and John and, and little Jeremy, who's a Down syndrome child. There's such peace in that house. Tom Zorowski, for most of his life, has dedicated himself to South Sudan. Tom has taken in food, he's taken in medicine, he's taken in money, he's worked with the church, he's helped build a wonderful school. He's devoted himself to those people in that nation. One day, Tom and an associate were driving a truck, and they were driving through a part of the region where they were not known. And as they were driving down the road on the outskirts of a village, a woman came out of the village on a bicycle and hit the truck and then began to scream, the truck hit me, and the villagers came out. It was all a ploy. They surrounded the truck to confiscate its possessions. They took Tom and his associate and stuck him in a little concrete block building, screaming, pointing guns, and then they took them out in the street, ready to execute them. Tom said as he was walking toward his execution, he began to think of his wife his son, his daughter, and especially little Jeremiah, the Down syndrome child. Ellie will have to live without me. My children will have to live without me. Suddenly, a truckload of soldiers arrived and said, Stop! What are you doing? This is a good man. He has helped our country. He is a good man. His life was saved because he was a good man. When I think of Romans 5, for a good man, some might even dare to die. Here's a good man whose life was saved because he was a good man. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. And what about truth? It's important that we never sacrifice truth. I thought it was interesting to me. About two years ago, the Church of two weeks ago rather, the Church of England had a vote of bishops in which they met, and they decided to start ordaining women as bishops. Now, two years ago, they had a meeting and decided to do that, and the members of the church rose up in such protest that they didn't do it. But the British Parliament was so upset they began to put pressure on the Anglican Church, or rather Church of England, not Anglican, of course it is, they are Anglican, but the Church of England saying, get with the program. This is the 20th century. Especially Prime Minister Cameron castigated them. So about two weeks ago, the Council of Bishops met and voted to start ordaining women as bishops. And Prime Minister Cameron said, well, finally, you have come into the 20th century. Now, I don't agree with Church of England's hierarchy at all. I don't agree that there should be bishops and priests and all of that. But the interesting thing is this. There was no concern about doctrine, no concern that they had about 2,000 years of tradition, if you go all the way back to, well, not quite 2,000 years. But it was get with the program, become a contemporary church, much of what Bill spoke about last week. 
In the early 20th century, there was a Church of England bishop who wrote this, The man who marries the spirit of the age in the next age will be a widower. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And it's true. If we let the spirit of the age determine who we are, we're always going to be changing. Dear brother, dear sister, the word of God is unchanging. We must adhere to, this is the truth we have, regardless of where or what culture does. And as Bill preached so powerfully last week, we must be willing to stand and speak the truth, regardless of what pressure culture brings on us. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall make thy path straight. King James says, direct thy paths. The original term has the idea of cutting a straight road through a forest. My, doesn't that have application? <laughs> Does it, let, me, let me give you a real simple one. This is so small, but that's such a big picture. Let me give you a small one. The last month, I've had a series of things happen to me. I've just been discombobulated, let's say. (laughs) I've been misplacing things. I've been losing things. On the 6th of of July, we had Knights of the Square Table meeting after church. Now, normally, on Sunday mornings, I stick my billfold in the outer pocket of my satchel that I carry all the time. And so I helped, you know, helped clean up communion. I brought my satchel out, stuck it in the foyer, came back, got the tablecloths, putting them away. And then I picked up my satchel, and my billful wasn't there. Now, there was a homeless person that had come into the lobby and was standing nearby, and I started thinking, did that guy steal my billfold? went into the meeting with the young men. I went ahead and called Mark, who had already gotten home. Mark, would you look on the dresser and see if my billfold is there? No, Dad, it isn't. Would you go in my study and look on my desk and see if it's there? No, Dad, it isn't. So even though, Matthew, I was meeting with you guys, my mind was kind of on that thing, where is my billfold? Well, as soon as our meeting was over, I quickly drove home, looked, it wasn't either of those places or any place else I could think of. Well, must have, perhaps it fell out of my satchel at the church. I hope that guy didn't steal it. I'm going to have to get on the phone and call the bank and all that. And I started driving back, and I paused and said, Dear God, you're my father and I'm your son. Show me, where's that billfold? <laughs> Just like that. The picture came into my mind of the night before. I had been sitting in the family room. Mark was here, and I needed Mark to do something for me. I took out my billfold, gave him $10, and put my billfold on the table, and I saw it. And I went back home, and there it was. (laughs) Trust in the Lord (laughs) with all your heart and not your strange and... Sherlock Holmes' ability. (laughs) But you know, so often in life it works that way, doesn't it? How many times have you, have I, have all of us started down a particular path, Lord, 
We pray that your will might be done. Here's something we're not sure of. And we move here and we think this is right and that doesn't work out and this doesn't work out and suddenly here, even though this may have cost us money to get there, here's where we finally belong. So often, so often, I have seen the Lord give a particular calling to someone. This has happened in my life. And that calling gets you somewhere. And you think that's why you're there. And then suddenly that's not what you do at all. You do this. But that's the way God used to get you there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall make thy path straight. You know... Seven times in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, in, in four of the books, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, those four books, seven times it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it starts. Do not be wise in your own eyes. <laughs> Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, it'll be health to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce so that your barns might be filled with plenty and your vats overflowing with new wine. I don't have any barns or vats. But I want to tell you, having walked with Jesus for 73 years now, God knows what my needs are. When I came to Jesus, 10 years of age, almost immediately thereafter, I became a tither. Now, the church I grew up in, that was taught as law. (laughs) It is not law. We're living under the age of grace. But it still is the only principle I can find in God's word for how to plan my budget. When I became a Christian, Jesus Christ bought me. I am his slave. I don't own a thing. He owns everything. The breath I breathe, the clothes, everything is his. So I can't give anything to God. All I can do is take. God says to me, son, reach into my cash drawer and take out what you need, but try not to take out more than 90%. Think about that. (laughs) You know, I'm not a steward of that 10%. Elders of the church are. (laughs) But I am a steward of that 90%. The part that God says, take out and use. What do I do with that? Stewardship is something we don't hear a lot about these days. But how many parables did Jesus give us that related to stewardship? So the 90%. Lord, should I buy a new box of clarinet reeds for $29? Or should I give that $29 to missions or to some single mom who's trying to rear Children, that's a serious question for me. I have to be a steward of that 90... I'm not a steward of the tithe. Like I say, poor elders have to figure that out. 
I am a steward of the 90%. What do I do with that part that God puts in my hands to administer? You know, it's not only money. It's ours today. Every time you're doing something, you're not doing something else. How does God want me to spend the hours that he has chosen for me to walk upon the earth? Stewardship of life. Will I someday hear from the words of my master, Oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. Receive me. Or will I hear him say, Why'd you waste your time? (laughs) Why did you squander your stewardship on worthlessness? Now, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. Paul wrote to first, in 1 Timothy 4 that those that say that we shouldn't enjoy good food, we shouldn't enjoy sex and marriage, we shouldn't enjoy pleasure, that's a doctrine of the devil because God's given us those and we should receive them with thanksgiving whoopee. <laughs> but they must not become what owns us, you see. That's the key. We're human beings. We need rest. God ordained that one day out of seven we take a break. Music. Music could own me. I'll tell you what. Music could own me. I don't let it. But boy, does it give me life, you know. (laughs) But I must not let it become an idol in my life. I must be a steward (laughs) of the gift of music. Stewardship. Now, notice in the bulletin, on the back, you're supposed to put down a sermon title. What do you call what I've just said? The only thing I know is Proverbs 3. So put it down and you'll get an A. <laughs> my son, do not, my, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days years of life and peace they shall add to you. May God be praised.